Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 1 through 14, called Our Passover Lamb. From a big picture perspective, the title, Our Passover Lamb, the address, Exodus 12, verses 1 through 14. Uh, Pastor Matthew shared last week, and if you wrote at the top of your margin there, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, was the warning of the final climactic deadly plague. It says, Now the Lord said to Moses, 11, 1 of Exodus, One more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. If you drop down to chapter 12, what you could put at the heading of this chapter is, this is preparation for the plague and how to receive protection from the plague of death and judgment, namely by the application of the blood of the Passover lamb. That's what we're tackling today, Christ, our Passover Pray with me, Father. Thank you so much for all those who have gathered, those who may be watching from home via live stream. Thank you for those uh, who are part of our family in different states that have come to join us on these Sunday mornings, this Lord's Day. Uh, It is set apart for you, Lord. We're here for you. We're here to glorify you. We're here to hear what the Spirit would say to your people in this hour and to respond in a way that would please you, Lord. And so we do pray that you would shed your grace upon your people, upon this nation. And Lord, as we look at the Passover, the real real theme here is freedom. How do we experience true freedom? It is found in Jesus Christ that the Son sets us free. We will be free indeed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And today, Lord, as we celebrate as a nation our independence, we also celebrate our dependence on you as our God, our King, our Savior, our Lord. Indeed, the one who says we are your bride and your people. And so help us, Father, to have ears to hear what you would say. And I pray that in Jesus' holy name. If you agree, would you say? Amen. Amen. What is the Passover? Passover is one of the most powerful Old Testament pictures of our salvation. Christ is called our Passover, literally, or our Passover lamb, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we'll delve into that text next time we look at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. One writer says, Passover is one of the most striking, blessed foreshadowments of the cross work of Christ to be found anywhere in the Old Testament. Jesus is called the Lamb of God or the Lamb some 30 times in Revelation alone. And the message of the Lamb of God in our lives is that he supernaturally delivers his people from bondage to sin and death and sets us free, not only free from our sin, but free to belong to him and do his will. And Isaiah's great prophecy in Isaiah 53, written 700 years before Jesus would die on the cross, Isaiah writes, he was like, the Messiah was like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. John the Baptist, when Jesus was approaching the Jordan River as John was baptizing famously declared, behold, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus is uh, the fulfillment of this great image. And you'll notice if you skip ahead for a second, part B of uh, verse 11 in Exodus 12 calls the Passover 
It is the Lord's Passover. And I heard one Messianic teacher say, if you belong to the Lord, then Passover belongs to you. And I know there are some people who are not Jewish in the room who have been part of Seder celebrations on the Passover, the Seder meal. The word Seder, S-E-D-E-R, simply just means order. So if you've ever done a Seder uh, meal with a Jewish family, or perhaps you are Jewish, uh, you can see the fulfillment in Christ in the different elements. It's the Lord's Passover, and here's what it says, Exodus 12, 12, skipping ahead. I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And notice, and against all the gods of Egypt, one by one, God defeated the gods and goddesses of Egypt, as we've noted. I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Passover was indeed a night of judgment. It was judgment against the world captured in the nation of Egypt. But it was also judgment against the false gods of Egypt and goddesses. If you will, it was judgment against their idols. And so God will not share his glory with another. And each and every plague was a specific judgment to show the inadequacy, the uh, falseness of a false god in Egypt. And for us as American citizens sitting here in a room in 2021, we need to know that God will do the same with our idols. He will always attack our idols to show how impotent they are to save us and give us true freedom. They will, those false idols will eventually entangle us in bondage and make us indeed their slaves. And so Joshua writes these words. If you turn to your right a little bit, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. In chapter 24, we gave out a, a bracelet to the men on Father's Day. And it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15 being the reference. Here's what Joshua said to the people of Israel, to that next generation after the Exodus. He says these words, 24, 14 of Joshua. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him, 2414, in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us through all the way in which we went among all the peoples through whose midst we passed. And so the nation of Israel was really, you could say, essentially born on the Passover. Back to Exodus, if you will turn to chapter 6 of Exodus. The Passover has been known as the festival of redemption because it is that Israel gets redeemed at this point by the blood of the Lamb. As God is speaking to Moses about what he's going to do in Exodus 6, he makes these following statements. 6-5 of Exodus. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel, Exodus 6, 5, because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. 
I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Now the Passover is the means, if you turn to Exodus 12, by which God will finally deliver the people of Israel. This is the climactic and final plague, and it is a devastating plague, to say the least. Because the Bible goes on to say that there's not one household in Egypt where somebody is not dead. So this is literally the plague of death. This is the judgment of God. And the wages of sin is death. And God is the ultimate holy judge. And he will judge sin. But Israel is instructed as to how they might avoid that judgment. And how they get to avoid that judgment is laid out in the preparation for the Passover. In our verses ahead of us, Exodus 12, take a look at verse 1 with me. And this is written so that they might never forget. Now the Lord, Exodus 12, 1, that's Yahweh, said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. Many scholars believe that the initial instructions of the Passover were given to Moses during the ninth plague. Remember, the ninth plague was three days of darkness in Egypt. It was a darkness that people could feel. Yet it did not affect the households in in Goshen where the people of Israel were. They had light in their dwellings. And it may well be that God is giving instructions about the Passover to Moses and Aaron as uh, Egypt was sitting literally frozen in fear in the darkness. And God says these words, this month shall be the beginning. That's the Hebrew word rosh. It means head or prince of months for you. It is to be, the Passover month is to be the first month of the year to you. And so God now lays out to Israel their calendar. We all know that our, when we celebrate Easter, we celebrate it, Passover, in our March, April, in the springtime. You could say this was the birth of a nation. Spring is where things grow and things become new. These are the seven feasts laid out by God to Israel in Leviticus chapter 23. You're going to notice that it starts with three fall feasts. Those fall feasts were all fulfilled in a weekend in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the Passover. He was buried on the feast of matzah or unleavened bread. And he rose again on the feast of first fruits, which fell on the same weekend as the Passover, as the calendar was laid out this time. 50 days later, just as Jesus promised, Jesus spoke to them over a period of 40 days. Acts chapter 1, he talked to them about the kingdom. He told them to wait for the promise of the Father. If you count 50 days from first fruits, the feast of first fruits, when Jesus rose as the first fruits of the resurrection, to the feast of Pentecost, Pente means 50, the Jews would call it the feast of weeks or Shavuot, you get to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church in Acts chapter 2. It's to your benefit that I go away. I'm going to send you another helper. You'll receive power. The church receives the power of the Holy Spirit on the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, right according to God's calendar. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. We've come to it. 
the week of Christmas. We know how it is. You're getting that last-minute gift shopping done. Can we add one more to your list? Would you consider giving a year-end gift to Walk in Truth? We rely on the generosity of our listeners to help fund this ministry so we can equip as many people as possible with God's truth and show them how to apply that truth to their life. We hope Pastor Michael's teachings have been doing that for you. Would you please consider giving a gift of $20? That's usually the max price of a white elephant gift. With the help of your donation, we will continue to bring the gospel to people listening on this radio station and straight to their phone through podcast. Please give your Christmas donation of $20 now. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. Thank you so much for your partnership and have a blessed and Merry Christmas. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. It's to your benefit that I go away. I'm going to send you another helper. You'll receive power. The church receives the power of the Holy Spirit on the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, right according to God's calendar. And then what you have after those first fall feasts that have been fulfilled in the work of the Messiah and in the coming of the Holy Spirit, we are kind of now between the times on God's calendar. And there are three fall feasts that are yet to be fulfilled. And those are the following. You have the Feast of Trumpets. There's going to be a trumpet blast at the return of Christ. You have the Day of Atonement. Many would point to Israel's repentance during that time. And then God promises to tabernacle among his people in the final seventh feast. Seven feasts, a complete number. That's what God is doing. And just as Jesus fulfilled the spring feast, according to God's calendar, on the exact days that they would occur, so there are many who believe that Jesus will fulfill the fall feast according to God's calendar. Now, we got to be careful. We don't know the day or the hour of the return of Christ, but Jesus made it clear that we can know the season. And if we're paying attention, we can understand that God has a calendar. And he gave Israel the calendar, the beginning of the calendar. Look at verse 2 again. This month, that is our March, April, or spring, will be the beginning. It is the first month of the year to you. Now, this establishes something called the religious calendar in Israel. Just a side note that the ancient peoples were very much agrarian peoples too. So each of these feasts centers itself around some sort of harvest imagery. We just studied in our men's Thursday morning uh, study, the Feast of Pentecost. And we talked about Pentecost was going to happen exactly according to God's calendar. They didn't pray it in. It happened according to God's time. But they prepared themselves through prayer. And then the Holy Spirit came. And 3,000 people came to Christ on the day of Pentecost as a result of the the preaching of Peter. 3,000 souls, a harvest of souls came in to the fold. And just as 3,000 died when the law was given in the book of Exodus, we'll study this later, 3,000 are saved on the Feast of Pentecost. So there's harvest imagery woven in here as well, different harvests that come in in different seasons. Now for us, We need to be thinking that our salvation in Christ, the Passover lamb, is the first thing. This is what should mark the calendar. It should catapult everything else in the life of Israel, and it should catapult everything else in our lives. 
We must be born again. We have to mark the time by the time that we are born again. If you're going to try to be a moral person without the power of the Spirit, you ain't going to make it. We need the power of the Spirit, and even then it's a challenge, amen? And so this marks the time. Our new birth in Jesus Christ marks the rest of our lives. Jesus Christ, indeed, his life, death, resurrection, and ascension mark still the calendar of the world. And the Jews were told way back in the time of Moses that you are to mark the time in this way. When Pharaoh is in charge of time, says one writer, one's days become an endless repetition of wearisome toil that in time may seem to go on forever. Past and future are just limitless extensions of an intolerable present, close quote. But now Israel's going to go from drudgery to celebration. The Lord's going to set them free. July 4th is our Independence Day, or you could say as a nation, our Dependence Day, because we need to be, as a church, dependent on the Lord. That's how we truly experience freedom. But it is cool to me how the Lord has set this up so we could land right here on this day. As Israel talks about its freedom, so here we are. Now, Israel was to start that calendar. If you can throw that calendar back up there again for a moment. Uh, in the month of Abib. If you notice the calendar for a second, these got switched to Babylonian names. And it is interesting that Ezra led a group of people back to the Holy Land after the Babylonian captivity in the first month of the year. Much later, the month of Abib, which came to be known as the month of Nisan. And so this has marked the calendar for Israel. And of course, it is for us to mark the calendar of our new birth in Jesus Christ. The chains of long, bitter bondage broken. Israel would forever, and still today, look back to this time. Seder celebrations still happen all over the planet in Jewish households and even those who acknowledge the Passover. And it is to celebrate God's deliverance. Now, I want to show you the calendar really quick. The next book to your right is Leviticus. I don't know when the last time you turned to Leviticus is, but... Um, Turn there with me, Leviticus 23. If you're interested for more studying on the feast, the seven feasts of Israel are laid out all in Leviticus 23. I'm just going to read a few verses so you can get kind of the flavor of the feasts. So here it is. Leviticus 23, 1 says these words. The Lord spoke again to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel, Leviticus 23, 2. Say to them, the Lord's appointed times, uh, feasts, if you have an NIV, which you shall proclaim means to call them out as holy convocations. My appointed times or feasts are these. Now, the phrase appointed times is a single Hebrew word called moed. It would be spelled just like you just mowed your lawn, M-O-W-E-D. It speaks of an appointment or a fixed time or season or a festival. It's something like this. If you got a wedding invitation... And the parents of the, uh, you know, eventual bride and groom invite you to a time and a place for a wedding. They're going to be there. You've been invited to the time and place. They're going to be there. The expectation is that you will be there by receiving this invitation. That's the idea of the appointed time, a fixed appointment. You've been listening to Our Passover Lamb, Part 1, on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, verses 1 through 14. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And hey, we're very grateful for our Walk in Truth partners. It's thanks to you and our church that this mission has grown to serve people in over seven radio markets across the U.S., and it's listened to in over 26 countries on podcast. We've always tried to reach more people with the truth in the Bible and help people see how it does still apply to everyday life. Furthermore, to demonstrate how God does love the world. During this Christmas season, are you able to help us continue this mission? As you may know, we are a listener-supported ministry, and we could use your help. Would you consider adding Walk in Truth to your Christmas list? We would appreciate a one-time gift of whatever you can give. But of course, you becoming a Walk in Truth partner, giving at least $5, 10 or $20 a month, would go a long way too. Hey, if this program has added anything to your day-to-day study in the Word of God, please visit walkintruth.com and click Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click Donate. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, in this last and very devastating plague, the Bible says there's not one house in Egypt where someone wasn't dead. You know, Pharaoh went after the firstborn of God, namely the nation of Israel, my firstborn, way back in Exodus 4. God identifies Israel in that way, and God dealt with Egypt's firstborn. And it is a heavy, heavy judgment. And, you know, something I would say, because I know some of you may be scratching your heads and and you may be saying, well, this God of love actually killed the firstborn in Egypt. Well, this God of love is also holy. This God of love is also just. This God of love said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. When you hear that God is a God of love, that's not all he is. He's also a just God. And remember, he waited 400 years to finally judge Egypt. He is patient and long-suffering. But Pharaoh, representing the nation, would not repent. And remember, anyone who got behind the blood of the lamb on the door was spared. And there is evidence that people from other nations, including Egyptians hid behind the blood. Those who did not paid the price. Here's the application to the gospel. If you're under the blood of Christ, behind the blood-stained door of the cross, if I can put it that way, the death angel will pass over you and you will be spared. But if you refuse to appropriate what he's done for you, to make it your own, to get behind the door of the cross, then judgment will come. You say, why? Because God will judge sin. He is righteous, holy, and just. And the way he satisfied his righteousness and holiness and justness is by pouring his wrath on Jesus, the Lamb of God, instead of us. This is how we can reconcile these realities. God is love, but he's also just, and he's so loving that he poured his wrath on his son, the Lamb of God, instead of you and me. Do you know the Lamb of God today? God so loved you, my friend. He sent his only son, and he is literally a prayer away. You must decide, will you come under the finished work of the Lamb of God? 
who takes away the sin of the world. Will you trust him now, despite whatever reasons you've had in the past to say no or to put this off? Trust him today. He's so good. He loves us so much. He wants you to be whole, forgiven. He will remember your sins no more. They've been nailed to that cross. Trust in him today. Pray it. Lord Jesus, save me. I repent. I trust you. Thank you for loving me and taking my punishment at that terrible cross. Thank you for being the lamb, the Passover lamb. I trust you today. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. I repent of my sin, and I place my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, if we can help you out in any way with finding a local church, uh, maybe you rededicated your life and you'd like to get plugged in. Remember, we're right out here in the city of Corona in Southern California, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. That's where I serve as senior pastor. Hey, if you'd like to come check out the church, uh, you can find out all you need to know at walkintruth.com by clicking on the church tab, walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, and uh, we'll we'll uh, make sure that we get you what you need. If you want to talk to a pastor, please call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours, Tuesday through Friday, Pacific time, 844-48-TRUTH. This is Pastor Michael. We love you. We'll see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 1 through 14, called Our Passover Lamb. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.